How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Saints Hour. I'm Mike Hoss, along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Lemus for this being our final Saints Hour show of the season. And that's disappointing because, like the Saints, we wanted uh, the playoffs as well, and we know it's a given. It was a disappointing season. I, I guess go. I wanted to kind of not ever go back, but when we left training camp, man, the moves in the off season, and you had a couple of injuries, but this team was kind of under the radar. Nobody really had great expectations, but there were high spirits. I remember a feeling about this team leaving camp, and because it wasn't really a rebuilding year, right? I mean, you couldn't you didn't blow things up. You just tried to add some pieces. Given all of that, that it wasn't rebuilding and kind of the way things played out from training camp, it's 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 just disappointing. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, um, well, I think I think coming out of training camp, I think what I would say is that we all had, and by all I mean, coaches, players, uh, the front office. I think we all had a quiet confidence about the quality of our team, and um, I felt that, and and we all felt that, and so. You know, to not have that come to fruition, to not make the playoffs, to not win the division, um, is is disappointing. So now the evaluations begin, uh, typical of every year. Uh, is there an, a, a, a hierarchy, uh, an order, uh, coaches, players, staff? I mean, how does it work with yourself and Dennis and uh, Dennis Allen, as well as Dennis Lasha and, and Mrs. Benson? Yeah, I think, well, first of all, um, you know, I always like to take a little bit of a break here uh, and let the emotion of the season uh, dissipate so that, you know, we can make, uh, um, you know, view it from a lens that, that is a, a step back. And, and um, so we'll, we'll kind of step back this week and then get into, um, you know, those evaluations that you're talking about uh, next week and, and, you know, formulate, eventually formulate our plan for this offseason. Uh, I'm not trying to be cute here, but just, you know, I mean, at some point, do you sit with Dennis and Mrs. Benson? Who who kind of, who, who handles the Mickey Loomis evaluation? Um, I don't know. Mrs. Benson, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's not a meeting that happens, yeah. you know, kind of like when you sit with Dennis and Jeff and Parenton. I'm just, again, I'm not trying to be cute. I'm just, I was just curious how that worked. Yeah, that's, listen, that, that's happening constantly, you know, when, when during the course of a year, um, you know, I, I'm visiting with Mrs. Benson uh, daily. So that, that really happens. Um, you know, every day during the entire season, the entire year, really. So, 
it's not a formal let's sit down and give you a review like um like you might ordinarily have with some companies uh so that's a little different and really but it's and it's something that you deal with every year it's kind of a moving target with coaches because coaches move on uh, of their own volition they, they get better jobs and this organization's always been in support of administrative uh people Fontenot and, and guys like Aaron Glenn who, who might have a chance at, at a head coaching job so there's going to be some moving targets as you as you look at your coaching staff uh, keeping and, and, and people moving around yeah the only certainty in the NFL is that there's going to be change and there's going to be changes and and some of them are are uh, dictated by you know a promotion an opportunity that a coach has whether that's uh, uh, in the NFL or at the college level and and um, so those things are going to happen, particularly when you have a good staff, and I, I believe we have a good staff. And one of the things that we always see every January, and we've already seen it, and you signed eight reserve futures, eight players to reserve futures, uh, guys like quarterback Jake Luton, Nephi Sewell, Lucas Kroll, Derek Gore, there are eight total. And it might seem somewhat insignificant, but as I was kind of reading more into it, I mean, so you're not credited – the, this money that you've signed them, that one, they can't negotiate with other teams. It's credited against your 2023 cap, not your 2022. And the player counts against the offseason 90-man roster, not your kind of roster right now. And and you know you got them for OTAs and, and training camp. And, and I think we've all seen and, and lived how important that the practice squads and these kind of players have been, right? Yeah, I think the important thing here, the notable thing is that Look, these are guys that we're familiar with that we like their prospects going forward. We've seen enough to say, hey, these guys can potentially uh, help us um, in the coming season and, or, or seasons. And so that, you know, there'll be more of them as well. So, um, you know, there, there's no guarantees about, about uh, um in terms of their roster spots or anything like that. But these are guys that we like. We like what we've seen so far, and, and uh, we want to keep them and develop and work with them. I don't know if how much or if you've even talked to Sean, but certainly this whole Sean Payton job is going to play a physical role in the decision and the decision that you guys make. And obviously the sooner the better. But how do you go in kind of assuming? <laughs> I mean, I assume he's going to get a job. I assume you're going to have a first-round pick. How do you guys do it? Yeah, I don't think we make any assumptions. Um, you know, that that's that's ultimately up to the uh, you know to Sean and the other teams. And and yes, we do. We're in a position where we're going to get compensation, and and what that is and what it looks like uh, um, remains to be seen. So, uh, but we're not. You know, we don't go in there. You know, planning on having um, you know any particular thing at this point. But the other teams, because he's under contract, do have to ask you first, right? Yeah, they do. They have to have, um, yeah, they have to have our permission a to, to speak with him, and and b there has to be an agreement on the compensation in order to hiring. Your thoughts on the uh, play of your of your two first rounders? Alave became your third rookie to have over a thousand, but. I think if he were sitting here, he would, you know, uh, he would say, you know, the fumbles and maybe the drop balls. I mean, he he's a a talented rookie who will understand that he's got he's got some room to grow, right? Yeah, he, listen, he's one thing about Chris is that, uh, you know, he he had a lot of professional qualities about him when he got here, he, you know, the way he works and the way he approaches um, his craft, and and yet 
there's uh, lots of room for improvement, but we're excited about uh, his season. Um, you know, it's a little bit unfair to him when you lose, you know, a Mike Thomas on the other side and you're expecting to have that player, um, you know, attracting a lot of the attention and then that doesn't happen and, and the focus gets goes back to Chris. And so, uh, but I thought he performed well uh, uh, and really encouraged with uh, the year that he's had. Um, Trevor, you know, I would say similar and yet, Man, that injury was unfortunate at the beginning of the season because that, you know, caused him to miss a lot of games. Um, we did, you know, get him back toward the end of the year and thought that uh, he did some really good things. And I felt like, you know, his start against Carolina, man, we saw some really, really positive things. I'm excited about him as a prospect going forward. Unfortunate that he had the Liz Frank, but, but uh, you know, he'll come back from that. Um, and and uh, I'm excited about having both those players. Um, for the Saints going forward. The Saints Hour will continue after this break. We'll return with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis after this on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. We are speaking with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis, and we talked about the, the first round. And in that second round, you picked Alante Taylor, who, because of injuries to Marshawn Lattimore, was forced into action, and he got to grow more than probably uh, he anticipated. But now you have this secondary of cornerbacks with Marshawn, who came back. Boy, he made his impact right away with a pick six. Paulson Adebo, the 2021 pick. I mean, three really solid cover corners. you got to feel good at least in that area. Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at our team, that's, that's you know, probably – if not the strongest position, and I mean the the defensive back room in general, because uh, Tyron played well. Um, Marcus May is a good player. You know, when he was able to play, um, he, he he performed well. Um, the three corners you mentioned, I thought Bradley Roby uh, had a good season for us, particularly the last uh, you know six games or so. And so, that's a strength of our team. Um, and and uh, uh, excited about that group. So I, I want to finish with just kind of talking about the difficult position that kind of faces not just your team and every, every team as they as they kind of move forward. Uh, as you look at your unrestricted free agents, and I'm going to talk about like two sides of a coin. I'm, I'm going to use an example in the first, but not the second. But I'm just I'm curious. So you've got Caden Ellis, seventh round draft pick. He's an unrestricted free agent. He's growing just like you want him to grow for the first three years, and he comes out and bam, year four, gets a lot more playing time, you know, some injuries, but he gets a lot more playing time and has this phenomenal year. So now, and it's just a fact of the, of the league, you've got a, a, you know, a seventh rounder who comes out and now all of a sudden his market value is X, and you've got to decide, do you keep? What's his value? Is it affordable? I mean, it becomes a very tough decision. That's one side of the coin. Caden, I'm not talking about Caden himself, but just players in that position where you've got to make that kind of decision. Yeah, look, that happens uh, every year, Mike, to be honest with you. It's, it's um, and, you know, you have to make choices based upon, you know, your roster, based upon your resources. You know, we've had those in the past. Marcus Williams uh, is a good example of that. Um, you know, there, there's been several others over the years that the guys that that were good players for us and and you try to keep them and if you can make a deal that that fits with your roster and your salary cap then you do it 
and if you don't, sometimes you lose them. It just it just happens, and and uh, you know it's that's good for players. You know, I, listen, I don't I don't uh, uh, begrudge any player from trying to maximize his value and maximize his earning potential. That's part of what we're here for. We're here, we are here to help these guys maximize their earning power, and and uh, but sometimes you lose them uh, because of it. Now, the other side of that coin, the flip side is there are unrestricted free agents who come in with big price tags. And now you've got this decision, uh, do we resign, keep? It's a value question, again, as always. But it's, not, it's but then there's yeah the, the consideration of dead cap money because no matter what, that dead cap money is real. So that's the flip side of the coin and another, you know, bunch of tough decisions. Yeah, look, it's, it's you know, roster building is, is uh, like a 3D puzzle, you know, it's it's complicated and it's, uh, there are things that seem pretty simple on the surface and yet there's these underlying variables that that uh, that make it more complicated and, and uh, you know, we'll have that challenge for us again uh, this off season and, and uh, but I'm confident that we can, um, you know, we can do it in, in, a, in a good way that'll help us uh, improve and, and flip this record around. Senior Bowl is kind of the next gathering, so to speak, for uh, your your group. So you know, in, in that realm. Yeah, we have you know, the East West games coming up. There's a there's a number of these uh, uh, college all star games. You mentioned the Senior Bowl, and then right after that, uh, a few weeks after that, is the Combine. So we're we're going to get right into the off season here pretty quickly. Well, Mickey, uh, you know, as we started the show, it's not 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 what you wanted, not the goals you set, not the uh, the standard that's been set. But we appreciate your time, and uh, you know, best of luck. Have a great off season, and and I, I can't I can't balance my checkbook. So what Kai Harley does, I can't even fathom. But uh, best of luck. Yep. Thank you, Mike. Saints executive vice president and general manager Mickey Loomis looking to the future, of course. When we come back. WWL Radio Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak will help us look back on the roller coaster season to see how this team finished where it did. That is next on the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee New Orleans Saints Radio Network. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome back to the Saints Hour, everyone. And we are going to look back at this season of 2022-23 with Jeff Nowak, the Odyssey WWL digital sports reporter, producer, Game Day, First Take with Steve Geller, also the podcast Inside the Black and Gold with Steve Geller, the producer as well, reporter, and the sideline reporter, and on the podcast as well. Man, you guys must have big business cards. That's all I can say, man. There's a lot on there. So here's how we're going to do it. We're going to look back at games one through six, then the next six, and then the final five. So we begin 9-11, week one, Saints in Atlanta. Saints win the game. Uh, I would just say not until the very final play, but if you think about what we expected going in, this is the first indication that this is going to be a wacky, wacky season. So we'll begin with Jeff. Well, you know, this is like the one game this season where we got to see what the Jameis Winston offense might have looked like without major injury concerns and and, and really, you only got to see it for that kind of bizarre fourth quarter where everything went right, um, and it looked really good. And that's why, like, like after this game, I think there was a lot of optimism on this season. And that fourth quarter, you know, I think Jameis, you know, threw two touchdowns, about 200 yards passing, no interceptions. Um, and the Falcons did what the Falcons do best in losing a game. They seem to have won. Um, but this was this game. I think it was almost a kind of a red herring, um, where you thought, "Oh man, maybe this is the same season. The, the things are finally breaking their way." There was a lot of bad luck, but they they managed to pull it out, and that's just that's just uh, not what happened uh, after this one. Steve, no, not at all. Yeah, I was going to say what stood out to me. I remember Michael Thomas playing, coming back, two touchdowns. It seemed like so much of that pent up aggression or I guess angst of not having him around kind of thing uh, really exploded in that game and it seemed like we were in for in store for one of those big seasons from him Jarvis Landry even had 100 yards receiving that day and it seemed it appeared that the wide receiving woes which we had the year before were definitely squashed with you know Olave being drafted Mike T back and the addition of Landry's and that game it all seemed like a a perfect entity that was going to continue throughout the year. Unfortunately, we know that didn't happen. And um, I, I think we saw a, a lot of Taysom Hill in that role that we wanted to see him as well. It was more of that power runner, uh, another big game for him. So big fourth quarter comeback. Saints 1-0. Now they come home. And it's uh, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, and now it's the complete opposite. It's 3-3 in the fourth quarter. Steve, this is where, you know, this is where we started counting turnover differential numbers. Yeah, the that obviously was a huge plague of the Saints for most of the season 
was just coughing up the the ball and not being able to turn it over. What really stood out for me this game, I had COVID and ended up being on the sideline at home. Jeff was filling in for me on the sideline in the Superdome, and it was definitely a different experience, obviously, seeing it from afar. And, man, Tom Brady didn't have the greatest of games either, and I think we talked about it, the the fact that he's able to get rid of the ball so quickly really put them at the advantage there and and was the only reason – why the Bucks were able to have any success? That Saints defense again did a heck of a job. Yeah, yeah. This is like like Steve said. This was my first ever game, kind of reporting from the sidelines, and it was disappointing in the sense that this was the first example this season of a game that I felt like the Saints dominated on defense. They looked like the better team throughout the day, yet in the end they lost. It was a twenty to ten game, and. You know, you, you, you saw some red flags at this point. There was no Camara in this game, so it's really tough to look back and say, man, the offense should have been better. But Mark Ingram ran well. Mark Ingram had 10 carries, 58 yards. He had that critical fumble in the third quarter, and it really it was just the first example of, okay, if the Saints make a play in this moment, they put this game away and they win, and they're 2-0, and things are going well, and they didn't do it. And that was just, that was just such a recurring theme throughout this season if you watch the final 18 minutes of this game was the same season in a microcosm. And uh, watching it in person definitely kind of drove that home because, you know, Mark Ingram was a guy who you brought in to be a veteran presence. You expected him to, you know, maybe not be a dynamic running back, but not make the mistakes in critical moments that you ended up seeing from him. And that's, that's what happened. Week three at Carolina, Saints are one and one. They go to Carolina, Baker Mayfield, Jameis Winston, but lose 22-14, second straight week. They've got a defensive touchdown Marquise Haynes scores I mean this one was just not a very pretty game no not pretty at all and you know we kind of joked about this I don't know if joking is the right term but talked about it on the podcast with you know losing to a quarterback in Baker Mayfield who had an awful performance in week three and then in that finale uh even an even worse uh, quarterback performance from Sam Darnold and you end up getting swept by the Panthers somehow this season what really stood out to me this game Mike is on the road is that injury tent popping up. We had uh, Michael Thomas go in and Jarvis Landry, and who know that, knew that that would be the last time we, we saw or heard of from Michael Thomas this season. Landry then ended up suffering a setback, which was really detrimental to the wide receiving core. I also think this is another example of, you know, Matt Rule is no longer the head coach in Carolina. Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator, is out the door. But whether it be the blitz schemes, whether it be the, the poor protection on the Saints side, they just could never get anything going in any of those games. And so when you look at a Panthers team that's changing head coaches and you're going to have a different maybe defensive scheme, I think the, the Saints are going to be happy about that because it was just not something that they handled well. The zone blitz schemes kept them just all over the place. And that's what you saw in week two of last year. So you saw in week three of this season. One and two, go straight to London, lose to Minnesota, close game, 28-25. Let's go back. We'll begin with you, Steve. Yeah, that was the double-doink game. And I got to say, that was obviously a highlight, though, still of the season, getting to spend the week in London. Even the game day experience, I thought that the crowd really showed up and was impressed just how many, I guess, Londoners were into the game. I can't imagine many folks from the you know Saints fans or Minnesota fans making that that trek and yeah it was it was another rough game for the fact we didn't have Alvin Kamara around but man once again those late game situations for this team 
reared its ugly head. The end of the season, you look at it and you say, wow, this defense down the stretch had a really, really good finish, and they, this is a defense that you probably should have been able to win more games for. Early in the season, I don't think that was necessarily the case. And when the offense was playing well, the defense didn't hold up its end. And this is a point where you had Marshawn Lattimore. There was a point in the fourth quarter, Saints go up 22-19. to 19. Man, this is a game that you might win against all odds without your starting quarterback, without your starting running back. You have a chance for the defense to go out and salt away a win. And what happens? A 10-play drive for 75 yards takes five minutes off the clock, ends in a touchdown. Next possession, you go out there. Well, let's take the 60-yard field goal. You tie it. Okay, defense, go out there. Get those, get us the ball back. No, six plays, 53 yards. Go ahead, field goal. And then obviously the double joint at the end. And this, you know, it's there was there was no connected point of this season where the offense is playing well and the defense is playing well. Exactly. So back home for the first for four of five straight home games, Seattle get the victory, 39-32. Saints move to two and three. Steve, what are your memories? Uh, definitely that being the Alvin Kamara game. We finally got to see him, you know, showing out. Uh, also, Taysom Hill uh, really had a, a massive game. And you felt like the offense was starting to get kind of an identity. Unfortunately, you were just playing a really bad Seattle Seahawks defense in the end. Yeah, I don't know what he's talking about. This is the Taysom Hill game. <laughs> this is the Taysom Hill four-touchdown game. Alvin Kamara did have a great game, but... This is, the, this is the game where you kind of started feeling like, wow, maybe this is a running team. Maybe this is like a team that can dominate AK, on the AK ground. AK had the yardage, Taysom had the touchdowns. Yeah, and he threw for a touchdown. But this is the game where you felt like, you know, maybe this is the identity of this team. Maybe this is a power running team. And you kind of felt like the defense, again, kind of let you down with the long touchdowns late in this game. Kenneth Walker had that long touchdown. Tyler Lockett had two long touchdowns. This is also the game that I think really hurt you over the course of the next two weeks when you're trying to be consistent because Marshawn Latimer goes down with that kidney injury late in this game. He doesn't come back until week 17. And I don't think any of us realized at that point how significant that injury was. Anytime you're playing without him, you are at a disadvantage, and that's what you have. So the Saints now at 2-3, and three, stay home. Cincinnati, week 6, lose 30-26, to 26, never trailed in the game until the final two minutes. Steve, we'll begin with you. Yeah, just one another one of those woulda, coulda, shoulda games kind of gives you that those dry heaves when you start thinking about it. No turnovers in this matchup. You ran the ball really well, but you just let the Bengals hang around too long in this matchup. Another I mean, another positive for the game, I think that was uh, Rashid Shahid's first touchdown yep. uh, of the year. And uh, he was a, a huge spark in a role that everyone really considered more of a kick return specialist, I think, in year one. This was definitely another game for this team where – you're left scratching your head going, how did we end up losing this game? Yeah, Jamar Chase. <laughs> right, Jeff? It's another example of a game that you gave your defense the lead and they were not able to hold it, but it's another, it is also, again, an example of a game where the offense and defense couldn't kind of get it together at the same time. Like I mentioned, you know, is this a running team now? Right? Is this a power running team? Is that your identity? They ran for over 200 yards in this game. They lost. It almost felt like the result made you second guess whether that was your identity. This was a game that really felt like you were about to get the season back on track at back to 500 and you just weren't able to do. Let's pause 10 seconds to let stations identify themselves on the Community Coffee New Orleans Saints radio network. So the first six games are in the books. The Saints are two and four. If this is a season in review, the Saints hour on the Community Coffee New Orleans Saints 
Radio Network. When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Saints Hour. Mike Hoss along with digital reporter and producer, also host of the Inside Black and Gold podcast, Jeff Nowak, as well as Steve Geller, a producer-reporter, sideline reporter, all of, all of us working with the Saints this year. And now we're continuing on with the season. Week 7, short week for the Saints, Thursday night in Arizona. They lose 42-34 to fall of 2-5. and five, And all we need to look at, Jeff, I'll begin with you, is the final two minutes of that first half. Yeah, and, you know, at this point in the season, there was still a question about who the quarterback might be going forward. And... Um, it definitely wasn't the prettiest picture for Andy Dalton when you look at those two pick sixes before halftime in a game that the Saints got out to the lead in and looked like they could score at will for, far, for parts of it. They still kept it competitive, but you can't have mistakes like that and expect to win a football game. And, you know, this game, this game very much was lost in the first half. Yeah, and some of the questions around Andy Dalton, again, not necessarily fair. Out of the three picks, I think two were really – his quote-unquote fault, but, you know, it is what it is kind of scenario. Uh, That was definitely something that uh, was a dagger right away that you knew was going to be so hard to come back from uh, early on in this game. And, you know, trying to play catch-up on the road just didn't end up working. Uh, The Saints got worked over in the run game uh, by Eno Benjamin, who ends up becoming uh, a New Orleans Saint. He had 92 yards and a touchdown that game. This might have been the first time people started going, well, now is it, is it time to go back to Winston after this? And they did not. Week eight, the Raiders <laughs> come to town. Uh, and what this was the game you were talking about earlier, Steve. This is the Alvin Kamara game. Saints win it 24 nothing to get to 3-5. and five. Kamara with three touchdowns. Steve, we'll begin with you. Yeah, the Alvin show that I think everybody had been waiting for all year, especially uh, any fantasy football owners, you saw him racking up you know, plenty of yardage in the passing and running game. Not really utilized, I felt, enough uh, as a receiver this season. But he had two two receiving touchdowns, one rushing in this game. All was great. Uh, the team shut down uh, Derek Carr. And, yeah, winning the turnover battle is great. And wish we could play uh, a lowly Raiders team like that every year. Yeah, and this was the first game after. And as I mentioned, they had not named Andy Dalton the full-time starter. Prior to this game, they did. And this was the game that I think he really needed to kind of solidify his hold on that, and that's what happened. The Raiders' offense didn't get past midfield until, uh, I believe, Jared Stidham came in the game for Derek Carr, and I think this is one of those examples of if you want to get right, go play the Raiders or bring the Raiders to play you. The Saints felt the other end of that sword on the following week, Monday night against the Ravens. They lose 27-13 at home, fall to 3-6, and and... As much as they dominated the Raiders, they felt that domination from the Ravens that night. Yeah, I mean, this is a game that Lamar Jackson threw for 133 yards, and the Ravens won comfortably. He also ran for about 90 yards. And I think this is just a good example of 
one of the things the Saints do not handle very well with their current makeup on defense is guys who are going to run around, extend plays, and then can beat you with their legs down the field. You know, I don't. The, the Ravens didn't run a ton of designed quarterback runs in this game. It was just Lamar Jackson being Lamar Jackson. It's just not a good sign that you weren't unable to be competitive in this game. But it is one of the few games this season, you know, maybe there was one or two, that I didn't think the Saints had much of a chance to win. I totally agree with you there. The fact, this was a game that you never really believed the Saints had a chance in. And I thought that, you know, going into it, really overlooked that offensive-defensive line matchup, I guess, and didn't realize how much Baltimore was going to dominate there. And was the start of a, a tough stretch of games for the squad. The next game would be Week 10 at Pittsburgh. Saints lose 20-10, to 10, fall to 3-7. and seven. Uh, Dalton had a couple of picks, uh, 10 penalties, uh, just uh, not a whole lot there. We'll, we'll start with you, Steve. Yeah, one of those games where we could say it over and over again where this team found a way to beat themselves, unfortunately, uh, and they allowed the rushing attack. I know Najee Harris had pretty much struggled all season long and was talking about like how Jalen Warren was taking over the snaps for him. Well, Harris had a heck of a day against the Saints, putting up 99 yards. Uh, the rookie, Kenny Pickett, uh, not so great in the passing game and got sacked a few times, but uh, really we saw again where he did his damage with, with other quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks did this year is with the legs, and that just ended up being one of the big undoings of the Saints being able to let uh, Pickett squeak by and pick up those, you know, third and longs, which just, you know, drive you mad. Yeah, it's also kind of an awkward game because Kenny Pickett is, you know, probably the only quarterback that you can look at in this last year's draft and say, you know, should the Saints have taken him? Um, because they had a chance at 19. They went with Trevor Penning instead. He obviously went to the Steelers uh, a few picks later, and he had a solid game. But again, this is another example of two things. A game where the Saints didn't score a point in the second half, and a game in which the Saints lost with the opposing quarterback throwing for under 200 yards in the in the game. And <laughs> those should not be – neither of those things should be said about a team uh, if they expect to be a playoff caliber team. And that's, that's what you were not this year. And they needed more of the Raiders and Rams. And so the Rams are next. Week 11, November, home against the Rams. Saints win it 27-20, get to 4-7. and seven. Matt Stafford gets banged up. Uh, three touchdown passes for Andy Dalton. And, you know, again, you, you, you feel a glimmer of hope, but it's the Rams. Yeah, one of those games where you knew they weren't a good team coming into that this uh, matchup. The defending Super Bowl champs had fallen on some hard times. But you know what? As Saints fans, you did not care because of the, you know, pent-up animosity towards that Rams logo. Uh, Sean McVay on the other side of the, the field. And, man, Andy Dalton really lit up the Rams secondary. Very impressive showing. Uh, I think the the best quarterback rating of his NFL career, a nice touchdown Chris Olave had in the game. And you just, there was a lot of positives, obviously, that you you needed to see after uh, a disheartening, you know, loss of Pittsburgh that, that had a lot of fans, I think, down in question in the season. This one kind of brought some people back, but it, it wouldn't unfortunately last too long. Yeah, I think this is also one of those where you kind of get the pecking order of where the Saints are, which is a middling football team right now. That's where they finished the season, and that's, those are the teams they beat this year, where the teams that were at their level or slightly below them, they didn't punch up, 
uh, and they had to. And this was a Rams team that just was not very good this year, and the Saints were able to beat them. It's the same thing you could say about the Falcons, the same thing you could say about the Raiders, right? And uh, and that's just kind of where you ended up. So, you know, if you want to look at it this way, this is exactly where the Saints are, is, is a middle-of-the-pack team, and they beat a worse team in the Rams in this game. And finally, in our group of six is Week 12, Lost at San Francisco, 13 nothing in the weirdest shutout ever. The Saints had the ball on San Francisco's side five times, inside the 30 three times, inside the six-yard line two times, and got shut out to fall to four and six. Jeff? Yeah. I mean, I think that, that kind of says it all. This is the catch-the-dang-ball game uh, because I think Juwan Johnson had a ball bounce off his helmet in the end zone. Taysom Hill had a ball bounce off his helmet in the end zone. Alvin Kamara fumbled on the goal line. I don't know if I've ever seen a shutout with more premium scoring opportunities than the Saints had in this game, and they lost. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's just – it's a game you expected to lose, but I don't think you expected to lose it in the way you did. Yeah, and as much trouble as you had containing running backs this season, they did a heck of a job against Christian McCaffrey in the second, job, the second time they got to see him as he went from Carolina, obviously, to San Fran. Uh, and just really – this matchup for me, you got outworked, out physical. Exactly. So now the Saints are four and eight. That's where we'll take a break and begin the final stretch of the season. But at four and eight, the NFC South is so bad they're right there near the top. And we'll begin with the Monday Nighter in Tampa Bay when we come back on the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Welcome back to the Saints Hour. Mike Hoss along with Jeff Nowak and Steve Geller as we recap the 2022-2023 season and. Well, this final segment begins with the stinger, the Monday nighter at Tampa Bay. Saints lose 17-16 to fall to 4-9, and this is where they lose control of their destiny. Jeff, we'll be, begin with you on this painful one. Do we have to? <laughs> I, think yeah. we've, I think we've done it enough, haven't we? <laughs> oh, yeah, this was just brutal. It's painful. It still kind of makes you sick to your stomach because, you know, you saw what they did in the three games after this. Like, the question at this point was, oh, can they – win this game and even be competitive down the stretch, knowing what we know. They haven't went back to back games, blah, blah, blah. And then they, they do what they did in this game and then bounce back from it. And yeah, 17-16, so many questionable decisions. Mark Ingram going out of bounds short of the first down marker. He, he was done for the season with an ACL injury after that point. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think we need to digest this one any more than we have to. It was brutal. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I hope that's not the lasting memory that Mark Ingram has with this ball club. Obviously, he's done so many other great things but boy that that was such a heartbreaker to say the least gut punch um and the team looked and seemed like you were totally completely out of it so the saints come home after that well first there's a bye week so we got to digest the the tampa loss for for two full weeks but then they come home with atlanta you know with this new four game winning streak to finish the season they win 21 18 to get to 5-9. and nine. Steve, we'll begin with you. Yeah, a case where you thought they should take advantage of Atlanta team starting quarterback Desmond Ritter, their rookie under center. The Saints were able to get after him a few, for a few sacks. Uh, and this team giving up so much leaky yardage. A guy like Tyler Algier, their uh, rookie undrafted dude for them. The Saints did find a way to pull this out. Thankfully, hold on, I should say, whatever you want to say about this season is, hey, we swept the Falcons at least. I think this is also a game where you saw, like, man, when you get turnovers, it makes your life a whole lot easier. And that's how this game ended. Bradley Roby got the, you know, right place, right time 
turnover, and you won the game. You know, and it's that simple sometimes. Like, when you make big plays at big moments, you win games, and the Saints finally managed to do that. They also held Desmond Ritter to 97 yards passing. So, you know, you look at the run defense, and that didn't do you any favors, but the pass defense was top level for the final month plus of the season. So that's something to look at. So now we go to Week 16, Christmas Eve in Cleveland against Deshaun Watson. This is the minus 10 that we don't have to remind Steve of that. Coldest game in Saints history. They win it 17-10. Gutsy, gutty performance to get uh, to 6-9. and nine. Uh, And Because you were down there, Steve, we, we have to begin with you. Well, to, to me, if you want to talk about, there, there's so much, uh, you know, people suggesting that Dennis Allen should be fired. Well, this is a game to me that can you could, you could make a case of why Dennis Allen should be the head coach of the Saints because of going down 10 nothing on the road in the conditions and not and seemingly you know your season is over with they were still mathematically of course alive they fought back for this game and you left really with a much better feeling finally two game two wins in a row I, I can't imagine being able to concentrate on the game when you're just trying to, to do anything to move around to stay warm at that point yeah, if there was ever a phone at in-game, this is it. Um, and they didn't do that. You know, they went out there and they and they proved a point, I think. They showed up that, that this was a, this is a tough team. Rashid Shaheed was their leading receiver with four catches, 41 yards. So, yeah, I think this is a – you know, if you want to look at positives for the end of the season where you're like, okay, this is something we can build on, I think this was a perfect example of that. From 2022 to 2023, New Year's Day in Philly, hmm. Saints win their third straight 20-10. to 10 to get to seven and nine. And this is the domination of the first half that we saw in week 18, 247 yards, 61 yards. Jeff, begin with you in this big win. No Jalen Hurts, but still a big win. Yeah, I mean, no Jalen Hurts, but I still think that, you know, the the prevailing wisdom was that the Eagles were going to roll in this game. It was a game they had every motivation to go all in for, and they didn't. And I think this was, you know, one of the things that I think got overlooked this season is, the pass rush didn't come up big in big moments um, throughout the course of the year the way you would have hoped, the way you would expect. But this is a game that you you did. You got after Gardner Minshew. I think you had six sacks as a team. Cam Jordan set the record. He, he had a three-sack game. And that's what that's what ended up being the reason, plus Marshawn Lattimore, that you were able to pull this out. Because, again, as I mentioned, this was another example of a game. They didn't score in the second half on the offensive side of the ball. It was Marshawn Lattimore's pick six. Yeah, this was a game, too. I thought that the Saints came in – uh, looking like a team on a mission, obviously defensively, they were stifling. Uh, Gardner Minshew wasn't comfortable at all. That's all I kept you know, thinking. Every time he was dropping back, they were just constantly harassing him. But I thought they did a phenomenal job uh, defensively. And just that, that offense, like you mentioned, that in the second half kind of disappeared. And had you wondering, oh, no, we've seen this terrible, awful, no-good movie before. But, man, oh, man, that was huge, having Marshawn Lattimore back. Pick six, you knew it was lights out for Philly. And, clearly, this team did not save its best for last. Week 18, <laughs> Carolina, a chance to finish 8-9, and nine, but they finished 7-10 and 10 because they lose 10-7 to seven in just a game where they score on the opening drive and... Uh, everything else is just kind of a blur. Jeff, we'll begin with you. Yeah, yeah. This is a game that, you know, you, it's hard to take too much away from. I didn't feel like outside of the first, you know, 15 plays, whatever they had scripted, there was much of a plan uh, in this game, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Defense was great. 
Um, this, but my big takeaway from this game is I think you really have to look hard at the kicking game because, man, you make either of those field goals, I think you win this game. You know, the first one's from 44 yards. You can't miss that. Will Lutz has missed five times between 30 and 49 this year. Only Kate York and Chris Boswell have missed five or more times. So I think this is, this is a game where you're going to look at the offseason and say, you know, can we trust Will coming back? Because uh, that's going to lose you games if you can't get that sorted out. Another head-scratcher, too, for me. Unfortunately, I felt even though Chris Olave has a touchdown in this game, it might have been his worst of the season because of the drops. Also, you put in the fumble in there. Uh, I thought we were in for big things after that huge opening drive score. Uh, Nice game from Alvin Kamara again. I thought we'd see more from him in the passing game, but was used more on the ground. Uh, Obviously getting 100 yards there, but uh, there's going to be a lot of questions and to me, obviously, surrounding the offensive side of the ball heading into the offseason from the performance we saw from the team this year, the defense still seems to be one of the upper echelon in the NFL. Hopefully that can continue on into next year. Well, it was a long haul for sure. 18 weeks, 17 games, but back-to-back seasons ending without a spot in the playoffs. And now lots of decisions to be made this offseason. My thanks to both of you, Jeff Nowak and Steve Geller, for helping us look back at this season. My thanks also to Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis and Saints Executive Director of Football Communications, Doug Miller, for his help this entire season. This has been the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Good night. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.